Hello, my name is Carlos Lopez, and I am the Global's Program Director for Magicians Without Borders, and I want to welcome you to our 41st episode of our Magicians Without Borders Conversations. On this episode, we're going to rekindle a conversation from two weeks ago with our guest, Michael Wald. We're going to talk about the power of intention, and most important, the importance of having a mentor and for and how for the elders it's important to mentor the youth and also we're going to talk about uh, the way in which magic can help a young person develop this is a great conversation uh, that's very very interesting and please just uh, sit back and enjoy <music> Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Magicians Without Borders Conversation. This is episode 41, and we're very glad that you are here. And today, before we start, as always, I want to remind you of different ways that you can support us. So one of it, one of them is actually Amazon. So if you shop at Amazon... Remember that if you're in the States, this works perfectly. Also, if you are in South America, especially in Colombia, it does work as well. Instead of going to Amazon.com, go to smile.amazon.com. And over there, you can select a nonprofit that you want to support. So every time that you buy something, then Amazon will give something to the nonprofit that you select. So this is a way that you can... Uh, support us so you can support us by going to smile.amazon.com and it's the same site as amazon and you can get all the things that you usually get on amazon and uh, by doing that you're supporting magicians without borders so please if you shop at amazon go to smile.amazon.com and also if you got a, a remote team if you manage remote teams or you do online events please consider visiting corporate.magicianswithoutborders.com. This is a way that you can enhance your virtual events or your online meetings uh, with Corporate Magic. This is a very cool way to support us because as we've uh, taught and we were talking just uh, a little uh, in the backstage uh, about how this is wonderful. You know, I'm in Bogota, Colombia. Tom is in uh, in Vermont in the U.S. and our audience can be in Singapore and our kids in the slums join this call and this is a wonderful, wonderful way for you to support us and that's the description, so this is how it works. Hello, my name is Carlos Lopez from Magicians Without Borders, and this is where we create our virtual magic show. We would love to have you. We have multiple cameras where we can see magic in different ways, even one for close-up. Let me take you there, and here you can see magic that's going to happen very, very close in front of your screen, and we would love to have you here with us. We've done this show over the last year for great companies like Waymo, YouTube, Google, and we would love to have you. We can deliver this show via Zoom, via Google Meet, Microsoft Teams, or WebEx, or any other communication platform. Looking forward to seeing you at the show. Bye-bye. So please consider visiting corporate.magicianswithoutborders.com if you manage a remote team or are part of one. That could be a great way to, you know, enhance the well-being of your collaborators or your team. And another thing I wanted to tell you, to remind you, is that we've uh, produced a wonderful learning experience called uh, Become a Magician. This, you can find it uh, in learn.magicianswithoutborders.com and it's a great way to learn how to become a magician. It's not only 
the tricks and how, and, and how they work, but how to actually leverage that into a performance and you become a magician. It's a wonderful self-paced video magic course a, a, taught by Tom Werner and, and Janet Fredericks, the founders of Magicians Without Borders, and a great, great way to get into magic. Also, if you are a teacher or if you have a nephews or grandkids, this is a great way to use household items, everyday items, and use them to do magic. This is a great way to get into doing that. So much so that we offered this program for libraries, because in this uh, pandemic time, you know, libraries, public libraries don't have access to, you know, they, their patrons. Their patrons are not necessarily able to go to their libraries. So you uh, go to a, a public library anywhere in the world, and you would like to get access to this course through your library and that other patrons of that library are able to join it as well. This is what Become a Magician a course is for libraries. Hi, and welcome to the demo of Magicians Without Borders course, Become a Magician, especially for libraries. So what would you get? You would get your personalized link. That means a URL with your library's name on it. Also, you will have your library's name right here and your library's name in multiple places on the website. And what your patrons will get is a link that will get them inside our online self-paced video magic course called Become a Magician. This is what you get. You get an introduction to magic video, a 30-minute magic show video, and 13 magic learning sessions, plus a wrap-up video. And I'm going to show you how it looks on the inside. Once you are inside one of the sessions, it will look something like this. All the sessions will be on the left, and the session that you select will be on the right. On each of the sessions, you will have a little introduction and a full performance video and a full explanation video for each of the magic learning sessions. The, the video course is self-paced, meaning that your patrons can scroll and choose the session that they like. They don't necessarily have to do them one by one in order. They just can jump between them and it's designed so that they can do so. And remember, in each session you will have an introduction, a performance video, and an explanation video. And this is the way that it looks. So in summary, you will receive a URL with your library's name on it. That means that your URL is a unique website that only your patrons or the people that you want to send that link to will have access to it. And it's a very simple a website that they can navigate and they just have to click on the link and they'll be inside of the course right away. So this is the demo for Become a Magician for Libraries from Magicians Without Borders. Great way to support us and if you have any questions about those services or anything else that we do, please do send them and a, and a, 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 send your questions or comments to our email podcast at magicianswithaborders.com or tweet them at magicianswb so that we can address those comments and questions in our mailbag episode every last Wednesday of the month. That's where we host our mailbag episode. So remember that. And today we're going to do our second part of our conversations that we had it last uh, two weeks um, with Michael Wald, our great um, host. And we're going to, you know, uh, rekindle that conversation with our founder. So, Tom, how are you? Uh, I'm terrific, Carlos, and very happy to be here. I'm up here in Vermont. And uh, we're having really beautiful weather, actually. It's been very chilly here in Vermont, but today it was in the 80s. It was perfect. I was out working in the garden and doing other things. So I'm thrilled to be here. And I wanted to say something. I did a show, and I'd like to talk a little bit about this later when um, Michael comes on. Um, 
the other day, and the show was sponsored by Town Hall Theater, a professional theater company in Middlebury, Vermont, on Memorial Day. And last summer, they bought Become a Magician because they offer educational programs on acting and playwriting and things like that during the summer for young people. And uh, they couldn't do it last summer. So they bought Become a Magician. And they had a wonderful person named Madeline who um, uh, took care of that and managed that for the 20 people who signed up for it. And she learned each trick and did a video. It was It was really wonderful. But yesterday... I got a call from Town Hall Theater after they saw the magic show and they said, we'd like to have a live version of Magicians Without Borders and oh, no. offer it in August. And um, so that's just to say um, a professional theater found this course so fantastic um, that they offered it virtually last summer and they want to offer it. They want me to go down with Janet when she can um, to offer it live this summer. So nice. that's, that's an cool. endorsement for this course. So just very wanted to say that. <laughs> a very good way to support us as well. So Tom, any, any thoughts before we bring back our guests? Well, I, I wanted to say to everyone out there that Carlos and I had the privilege and honor of watching Jeff McBride a few nights ago uh, do uh, a performance, a Zoom performance um, called Magic Quest. And it was basically the story of his life and the major moments in his life from when he was seven years old doing a magic show. And there was a picture, a funny, wonderful picture of him doing that show all the way up to where he is today in Las Vegas, uh, heading up the school of magic and mystery. Um, and there was something um, really wonderful about that show. Uh, how he made Zoom come alive for me. I'm, I'm not all that comfortable yet with Zoom. I think I'm doing okay magic on Zoom. Uh, but it, when I did a show last Monday live, I just really felt, felt the difference. But what was your sense of that show the other night, Carlos? Uh, before we bring Michael on, I don't want to spend too much time, but. Um, I just so wondered I what your thoughts were. Feelings. Uh, I had a bunch of feelings. Meaning, I, I love the show. Uh, I felt that he was, you know, performing for me, and and I think that's very good of some shows, right? Even though I know there's an audience and a big audience, and you see a lot of people in there, but when you see the performer, you, you feel like he's, you know, he's talking to you, right? And it's like this, and he, he uses that pretty very well. You no, know, he he steps up, and looks at you, right? So it, it felt very personal, right? That you don't necessarily get that, or I don't necessarily get that when I'm on a theater with 200 people, right? You don't feel that. And I think that this is very cool to feel as a, as a, as an audience member. And also there's, there's, there's stuff that, that, that he did very well, you know, camera changes and all that. Those, those were wonderful. The video production that he had, that was amazing. But also I feel that like, I felt that what we are doing with a virtual show is very good comparing it to that, right? So that's yeah. pretty good that, that, that we do get to, to, to play in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a playing field that is a little bit more level, I guess, because when you compare the theaters that we have access to, to the ones that Las Vegas performance has to, right. has to have access to, there's just no comparison point. But now yeah. that we're on the same platform, I think that levels the playing field a little bit. And so that's also something that made me feel uh, pretty cool that our product is very well and it does pretty cool with with those 
uh, of somebody of the stature is Jeff McBride. So that's pretty cool for me. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, it's a testament to how well our shows have gone that um, some of the corporations, uh, some of the really big corporations we've performed for not only paid us and our young um, magicians really well for doing the shows, they made a contribution afterwards. You know, After, to magicians yeah. without borders. They were, there's something about seeing these young magicians performing and they're doing it in a very professional way and they have a wonderful stage behind them. And you'd never know they were in a very, very humble little house in the slums of Bogota, Colombia. Um, and yet there's something very, it, it not only is wonderful magic, but it really touches people's hearts to see these young folks uh, performing. And they also happen to be supporting their families, who many of whom have lost their jobs because of the pandemic. And these young magicians are supporting six, eight people doing magic, which is amazing. So anyhow, I just wanted to get a sense of how you thought of Jeff's show the other night. I thought he used the Zoom medium as well as anybody could technically and personally. He was really, it's a cliche, but I really felt like he was performing to me. No, yeah, that's cool. It was a wonderful, wonderful show. So yeah, I was very, very, very glad that we got to experience it. And uh, you know, not everybody enjoys uh, virtual magic, seeing it or, or or performing it. And we had a, a little chat about about that with Michael before we started. So let's bring him in. So hey, Michael, how are you? Hi, Carlos. It's good to see you. Tom, great to see you again. Were you uh, working in uh, school today? I was uh, for the first half of the day, and then I had an echocardiogram for my second half of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, good luck with that. I I'm sure it was what, fun. What level, you know, I don't really know what level of school you work at. Is it middle school or high school? I work at a high school now in my career. I've worked with kindergarten through high school. Kindergarten through yeah, high school. Uh-huh. So the whole whole gamut. And there are things are, about each level to enjoy. Yeah, are you? Different things. It, it, this must have been a... a a year when a school psychologist was greatly needed, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe. You know, I think more so with the younger kids, I was. it was remarkable. Uh, about half of my work is counseling. The other half, actually maybe another close to half, is, is writing these reports and diagnosing learning disabilities. Uh -huh. uh, but with the counseling, I was, I was surprised by how resilient these the yeah. high school kids were and how and I think it's because they a lot of them just ignored the news <laughs> and they uh -huh. just well, they didn't they didn't they, they ignored what was recommended about isolating themselves and and they just went about their business in yeah. probably too normal a fashion but I was yeah. expecting way more anxiety uh, because of this, and 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 uh, I didn't know what to expect in terms of loss or how the illness would affect members of their family, but it it was not nearly as bad at this level um, oh, as I would have anticipated. But I think at the younger levels, I did some counseling with younger some younger kids and younger families, and it was horrible yeah it was it was really painful imagine being a six-year-old learning to read mm. both of your parents and you're staying home both of your parents are home but you can't talk to them all day 
and you really don't see other kids or other people very long it's on the crazy. video. It's crazy. It's, and, and I, so six-year-olds are not good at isolating themselves. No. And it's, the stress was enormous. Yeah. Just horrible. Well, I'm glad you were there. I'm glad you were there. Um, yeah. Um, I, there was one, I'll make this quick because I know this isn't what we're here to talk about. But, you know, I was talking to this girl who was like six years old and I was talking to her parents and I talked to her for about an hour and a half and then I talked to her parents for a while. And I said, you know, you guys, your reaction is normal. There's just, you put anybody yeah. under, under these kind of conditions, how are you going to expect them to react? How are you going to expect them to feel? Six-year-olds aren't designed to be by themselves all day and and not be nurtured. And, you know, it's it's crazy-making. So right. Anyway. And the screen can't nurture you in the same kind of way, you know? Yeah. No. Very, very, uh, it's very painful to see that. Yeah, it's, the interaction—it's so limited, so limited. Yeah, I—I I was thinking we have uh, two or three topics we wanted to explore tonight, but I—I I could start this off, but I'd really love to know what's on your mind most about the three topics of mentoring, synchronicity, intentional, intention, and the other things that we want to drill a little deeper into from that first really uh, exciting conversation, uh, Michael. What, that was, what, what's, what's pressing for you or like what's uh, you want to say? Um, first, first though, uh, I was so jazzed by that conversation. It was yeah. so much fun and so interesting. I, I couldn't get my mind off of it after we talked. It was really wonderful. And I thank you guys both for the opportunity. Um, one of the things we talked about last time was mentoring and the role of mentoring. And one of the, I mentioned to Carlos that that's not a little thing. It may seem simple, but it's, it's, it's something that I think is, has got a great amount of depth in terms of the value and importance and the impact that it has. And I was looking at some some research that's done uh, on what was called charismatic adults. Uh-huh. And um, who were the people who did this? Let me see if I wrote that. Oh, I did. Julius Siegel and Robert Brooks have written a lot about this. And there are a number of studies, and basically it goes down to this. All these kids were were brought up under really dire circumstances, but for some reason they were very resilient, and they did well in life. And in spite of, as you mentioned, humble upbringings or incredible discomfort and a lack of nurturing developing as they developed or a lack of structure as they were developing and they did well in life and they were adjusted fine and so every single one was interviewed and without exception they are which is amazing without exception they all pointed to a a mentor Uh someone who believed in them who conveyed a sincere sense of faith in their own ability to achieve and had and imparted an appreciation or value uh, that they had for for the kids who they worked with and i'm thinking that this is this is maybe how we're wired this mm-hmm. is this is who we are we're pack animals uh-huh and I think the idea of mentoring, it can happen in magic, it can happen in woodworking. And they mentioned a lot of teachers really did this. Um, and and it didn't have to be a big thing. You didn't have to be a, a terrific expert. You had to put in the sincere effort. But the out, outcomes were really, really positive. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you, you know, you look at, 
So I'm, I'm sure both of you knew people who seemed to have a lot going for them growing up. And as they got older, they crashed and burned because life was too challenging. Mm-hmm. And then you see others that are really resilient. And there's there's been a lot of research on resilience. But I think this this mentoring is a very important piece. And if you're doing counseling, I'm going to stop soon. I know I'm talking. No, go ahead. Go, please. Go, go. If you're doing doing counseling, what it tells me, because I I do a lot of counseling with kids and I try to connect and I try to earn earn trust. I mean, that's the center of it. Um, But it doesn't so matter what techniques you're using. It it matters that you're trying to connect, that you're trying to convey what their strengths are, and sincere appreciation for them, and a sincere optimism for how they're going to function in the future, how they have their potential in the future, because they don't know. I mean, you know, if I, I do an IQ test on a kid, and I say, oh, you're very smart. Well, that doesn't mean anything. He knows my job, or if a parents say you're very smart, it means nothing. Because they know that's our job right. to say those things. Um, they have to tr- prove it to themselves through a track record of success. Yeah, but I think conveying those messages is is intensely valuable, yeah. and you can do that with teaching magic or with anything that gives you the opportunity to be a supportive adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm done. That's great. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. Because uh, you know, I, I I think it shows that how important it is to have a mentor, right? And 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 how how that that relationship nourishes their you know their, their themselves and, and and what they can achieve. But it, it, listening to you, it, it, a question came to my mind, thinking. Or, or, or asking, is there a study for the opposite, meaning for mentors, the, the impact on them? You know, on the impact oh. of having a mentee? Does that make sense? That's a great idea. That's, yeah. I, I think, no, I don't know of any. It's all the other way around, Carlos, but that's a yeah. great idea. That's, a, you know, if you want to do a dissertation, there's a topic. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, we, uh, as I think I, I mentioned um, earlier, we had a two-hour uh, conversation with folks in our main connection uh, in India, uh, a man named Don and Jay and a woman named Kalyani. And they started an organization over 40, 50 years ago called Our Children, and uh, they work in 40 different orphanages, and they just do amazing work. And they just kept saying, um, you know, people say, we do wonderful work, and blah, 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 blah. He said, but honestly, we get more from doing it than what we think we do for the children that we work with. And I think there's a profound, profound truth to that, you know. And so I don't know what the studies are. I think there are. And I actually did a little bit of uh, pretty superficial research on mentors. And there was an article. I didn't read it. um, But there was an article on the benefits of mentoring for the mentor. Really? Let's, I, I actually didn't read it. What do you think they are? I mean, you're, and we also have kind of a fun thing. What's the difference between a mentor and a parent? That's the big one I was thinking about. But between a mentor and a teacher and a mentor and a coach and a mentor and a counselor, like, um, I'm sure there's some overlaps, but I think there's differences, you know? Um, I think you're right. I mean, what you give out comes back to, I mean, yeah. in, a, in a big way. I mean, it's, it, I, I, 
that's truth. It's, from my experience, it's it, what you said is total truth. Um, I think one thing is the, the research is on kids who are grown grown up in really unfavorable or desperate circumstances. Yeah. And they're not talking about having good parents. Having good parents is wonderful. You know, um, but that doesn't happen as often as it might yeah. in our culture, which yeah. is attested to by the fact that I'm employed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think teachers and coaches, I mean, I, coaches do some pretty great counseling. I've seen, I, I worked with a social worker who was a coach first and he was spectacular and it was very genuine and the kids who he coached loved him because it was sincere. What he gave out was sincere. Yeah. And he got it back in spades. Yeah. And you, you know, what you put out comes back to you. And, and if you're sincerely trying to help, I think, and you're able to connect and you're able to, Elicit trust, or yeah. a little then, guy. A little guy performed with me on Monday at this show that I did on Memorial Day, and I've been teaching him magic for the last two years. And he also happens to be pretty severely autistic. Um, okay. But it's amazing. How, I mean, he's also really, really smart. Um, yeah. And when he stands up in front of an audience, he feels really safe. Like if he has yeah. to talk to you one on one, you know, he'll he'll do really crazy stuff. It's yeah. really amazing. He'll he just is totally inappropriate. But yeah. when he's or doesn't know what to do, or he'll yeah. run away, or climb under the table, or he'll do something yeah. totally. But standing in front of an audience up on a little platform, you know, he it's like there's some magic circle around him of protection. And he's in charge of this well, the, interaction. You know? The rules are clear. When he's up on stage, he knows the rules. When he's in a social situation, the rules ebb and flow and there's they're not clearly defined. But they're clearly defined if he's on stage. It makes sense. Yeah. Dan Aykroyd is, is high-functioning autistic. Uh-huh. I think Bill Gates is high-functioning autistic. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And, and something like he's in control also. Yes. And when you're in a one-on-one -on -one situation, the other person might say anything. They might do anything. They right. might ask you a goddamn question and you don't know. Ah, you get all flustered and confused. But when you're up there, I'd like a volunteer. And he said, please raise your hands. You know, he didn't want anybody running up there. You know, we had practiced that, but he was also really in control and he, his ability to be smart charming and also we had practiced this trick which was very very difficult you probably know the trick it's a one ahead principle three predictions you know you know what the last one's going to be right so you make a prediction and you fold up the you write it on the paper and you fold it up and you say this is prediction number 1 and you actually write number 3 on that paper and you put it in there because you know what number you're going to force number three. Anyhow, there were lots of moving parts to this trick. And his mom was, she said, she said to me a few weeks ago, I don't think he should do that trick. It's too complicated. I said, well, let's give it another week. And, um, anyhow, he did a great, great job. It was, it was terrific. Um, and I feel like um, I can, I can, I'm, I love coaches because they have a very circumscribed kind of uh, relationship with the, for the most part, they can move outside of that. 
and the and the quarterback might say, you know, I'm having problems with my girlfriend, and they might get into that. But they can say, you know, you're moving out of the pocket. You you're you got to stay in. You got to have your defenders right there. But you know, and they can give them very good, clear advice. You know, and I can tell my my little student very clear things. Um, but also, there's not that charge when his father says something to him or his mother says. I think it's different. What do you What do you think is the difference between a mentor saying something or a coach or or like a magic teacher saying something to a, a little kid and a parent saying something to them? Is, I I don't know. I I'm thinking perhaps the nature of the relationship. I know the coach who I re- referenced earlier. He had a sincere interest in the in these the kids who he worked with. His yeah. charges, and I think they that resonated with them. They got that. Yeah, and that I'm guessing perhaps helped. Their, their relationship, their rapport. Yeah. Uh, so I think perhaps that's a piece of it. Um, I think you're also coming from a different perspective because there are, you're the expert in the magic and the mother yeah. isn't. And so right. he's going to listen to that. And if he has a heartfelt interest, if, if, if you were teaching geometry, for instance, yeah. that may not have the same appeal. Right? right. If you're teaching auto mechanics, you mentioned before, they may not have the same appeal, but this has an intrinsic appeal. So that would be a guess, but it's just a guess. Can I switch the top just for a second? And this is something I've been interested in for many, many years because I have a good friend who started an organization called Soccer Without Borders. And there, there, there are all kinds of things that kids, when they're growing up, say between eight and sixteen, let's take that, um, that they're beginning to learn, whether it's soccer or academics or um, cooking. Like my granddaughter, she's really into baking, and she's amazing, and she's developing some sense of self around that. What is there any difference between becoming a great baker or an auto mechanic or a soccer player or a dancer or a musician? Is there anything special about magic? That's that's an interesting question. I was thinking about that because you had asked that before. Um, is it different? Well, if you're baking, you're not directly connecting with other people. And think well, there's of this, that for sure. Think of this boy who you're working with who is on the spectrum. Yeah. This gives him a mechanism by which he can connect. Yeah. And it also, this is not an easy thing for him to do in normal circumstances or someone who's shy by temperament. Right. It's not an easy thing, but this gives them, again, it's the boundaries and the rules. They're, they're clear. And this gives them a place to shine. Yeah. It gives them a place to, a way or a means by which to connect to others. Um, what, what is, is different? I, well, oh, we've lost Michael for the moment. No, do you um, have me? Am I back? What? You're back. I'm just wondering, what is different? Uh, let's just, the three of us, come up with things that are different about magic. The first thing that comes to me is um, the way you work a soccer ball, dribbling it downfield, or the way you take a shot at the net or the way you pass it. There's there's no secrets involved in that. Like that's 
that's known. And it, you know, you, um, what is it about having secret knowledge? Now, I'm thinking about someone who's 10, 12, 14, 16 years old. You know something that nobody that, else knows. Yeah. That nobody else knows. Yeah. That, I think that's one difference, right? Um, but the other one, I think, I think it's it's very, very, um, very. Well, I see it very, very clear with 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 our students is that when when they are given that secret, right? They're giving given something, right? But they can into into actually. But sorry, they, say that again, Carlos. I missed that. Me too. They put, it, they put it into action very quickly, meaning okay. that they can act on on some knowledge they received very quickly. But in order to do it, they need to be in a position of of power. Or I don't know how to say it in English, but they have to be in in, in a position of control of of of. of uh, or, or of you know you are a performer so they have to be in that situation so I, I think that is unique to magic right that's also to 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 music or or dance or some other performance arts but the, the big when you're doing magic right people are expecting to be fooled right they're expecting to be "Quote unquote," lie to, right? But they don't know what's going to happen, and I think there's something that's really, really safe for you as a performer. You're doing magic that you know that the audience does not know what's going to happen. You really cannot mess up. So when I'm doing a trick, right, and, and if something might go wrong, I can spin it in some other direction, right? Instead of saying, "Oh, you know, I I I messed up," right? And I think that might be a little down the line when you're performing and it will be more of experience but I think there's those two aspects that you have in a position of power to do the and the attention is on you manipulate what the audience gets when you're performing and you yeah you get feedback from them quickly mm -hmm. and so it's a sense of accomplishment yeah I, I think it's also, um, I can only speak personally. I think it's how much you value it. If it's something that really jazzes you personally and you're able to do it, then I think it's going to resonate more. It's going to be more meaningful for you than if it's like playing the French horn. If that's not that meaningful for you, then, you know, okay, you can do it. So what? Yeah. <laughs> but this is. If it means, if it has a meaning for you, then I think that's important, or I think that impacts. There's and also I, I, something about. I'm sorry. There's also something about that word magic. You know, I mean, advertising uses that word, in, you know, all the time. Like it's magic. This perfume is magic, or this whatever is magic. It's magical. That word. And to be a magician, I think, is is has a special kind of status that's really ancient, and it's it's it, it, it and it goes to another thing besides having secrets. I think, in a way, I think if you're a baseball player. You're certainly connected to a tradition that goes all the way back, you know, and there's all these amazing people along the way, the Mickey Mantles and the Roberto Clementes and the, all the <clears throat> Hank Aaron, all those people that go back. But there's something about magic that feels like you're connected to a tradition that's been passed on in a secret kind of way. And I think about the magic shop in, in Hartford that I love that we talked about it last week, that back room where the older magician would teach the younger magicians how to do a trick. I, I, I don't know. Is there anything to that that's 
this lineage that goes back and there's Merlin and the shamans in Paleolithic times. And it seems to go all the way back. Anything there? Or am I just fantasizing? I think that you have more of a background to be able to make that connection. I'm not sure that everyone going into a magic shop will automatically know what a shaman is. No, no. I, I, <laughs> I'm just well, wondering. I think, very, Go ahead, Carl. I think it's very uh, clear to me that what you're trying to say, <coughs> but in a different context. So when, when we see our kids and we see them become part of the magicians, right? There's that clear distinction, right? And we see it in, in books like Harry Potter, and we as magicians also use the term layman and the magicians, right? So so there's that clear distinction. So when you're part of the magicians, that's pretty cool, right? Because it, it gives the kids a sense of belonging of I am a magician, right? So yeah. I see that. In, 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 in different parts of life, including their social media, which is so important to kids nowadays, right? Their profile pictures or the things that they share on social media become magic things. So they, they do a picture with a fan of heart, or a, a fan of card, or they do a picture with a magic wand or something like, hey, they're communicating. I am, I am a magician, right? And it's pretty cool because they feel part Again, right? I think it's very clear. Devante has said this very many times before, and we've seen it that that, that it has some similar effect as being on again, because you can identify another person that's part of the same group, right? Oh, you're a magician, you yeah, right? And and it's like an instant bond, right? And I think that's that's something that that adds to it, right? So it's not necessarily the lineage or the the thing that goes all the way back. But it's, it's like that they're not automatically, but now they're part of, right? And that's something that, that, that goes to that effect. The, yeah, I think part of a tribe, part of, of, at a very base level, you're part of a group. Yeah. And, and I think that's a very real thing. Uh, I, I I think that that's an old function in mammals. I mean, we're animals. Yeah. You know, and we are tribe oriented. That's, I mean, there's, Hmm. there's studies on monkeys that in tribes and we're the same things. I mean, with chimpanzees, but it gives you a connection, but also it, it, I think for kids at that age, developing identity is really central to who, who you are as a teenager, you know, you're breaking from your family of origin, you're going out on your own. And the way I had it explained to me is it's like we have these baskets and in each basket, we have parts of our identity, ways that we identify ourselves. And so it's like, uh, father, uh, teacher, uh, I don't know what else. Um, um, you know, mad magician is an easy one, but you have different baskets, different parts that you identify yourself, part of your identity. And if you only have one, and for some reason it gets knocked over, then you're really at risk of depression because yeah. your sense of identity just goes out the window. But if you have a number of baskets, a number of ways that you define yourself, not even a conscious way, but just how you understand who you are. Uh, and if one of them falls over and you've got six others, you're going to be way more resilient. Yeah. So I think the being a magician and seeing yourself that way, if, the, if you have a real, if you really like this, if it's a meaningful thing for you, then that's a big basket to fill, especially yeah. when you're a teenager. I, does I that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It does. It does. I I was thinking of um, when you were talking just now, Michael W. C. Fields, who a lot of people don't know. He was one of the greatest jugglers in the world. You know, and he developed, for instance, the cigar boxes. You know, like where you have three cigar boxes and you do this amazing juggling with it. But he was a comedian, and. 
he was a stand-up comedian also. And stand-up comedians, I mean, it's one of the most difficult professions I can imagine in the world. Like, if I'm a magician and my show doesn't go well, I say, I didn't do very well out there. I blew it, you know. Comedians say, I died out there tonight. That's the word they use. Or they say, I killed them. It's pretty freaking extreme, the language of comic performance. And and W.C. Fields talked about that, about how you get immediate feedback. You tell a joke, nobody laughs. You die at that moment. You die. There's silence. That's terrifying. Magicians can fool themselves and think, well, you know, whatever. They can go on. But W.C. Field said, I juggled every day because I didn't need anybody to tell me I was a great juggler. That was his profound identity. And he juggled every day, you know, for an hour just because he needed to because he was living in such a difficult he was living such a difficult profession as a comedian but he he never died or never killed the audience as a juggler he always felt i'm a great juggler and so his identity i was thinking of that when you were talking about identity michael and i wonder if there are magicians who feel I don't need anybody to tell me I'm a great magician. I am a great. I I I know I am. I don't know. Uh, I I don't even know if that's a valid or interesting question. But uh, the idea of identity, I think, uh, is important. The way it was explained to me, if I can, it's to develop self confidence. You need a track record of success. Yeah. Okay, a teacher, can, this is what I was saying before, a teacher can tell a kid, you're terrific, but the kid knows that this is the per- person's job, or the parent says that. The kid knows that it's the parent's job. Yeah. For them to believe it in their heart of hearts, they need a track record of success. That's why so, I needed this guy to perform with me on Monday. I needed him to be up there and them applaud, the audience applaud, not his parents, yeah. not me. And he got something different. It's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I just had to give an example there. Because <laughs> his, his, his mom was not so certain he should be up there. You know, I said he needs to be up there. You know, there but I was saying there are certain things you can only learn by performing. You can't yeah. learn by, you can practice and practice and practice. Yeah. But there's something you got to learn when you stand up there in front of a live audience. How many times have you seen magicians who are techni- and this is maybe more at magic conventions than for real people, but were technically really terrific. But if in front of an audience, there was nothing. There was nothing. Nothing between. Deadly. It's deadly. It's. I remember reading about one one guy, who was a kids performer, and he took the place of a performer who was in Atlantic City, a magician, who won awards at magic conventions. But there was not for the audience. For the lay audience, there was nothing. Yeah. So here's a guy with hippity hop rabbits, you know, taking his place, seriously, taking his place. So I don't, I don't know if this is making sense. Hold on. It, I agree. It's, technique is not enough. No, it's not and enough. Being able to, to get it. You know, I heard another magician who was the, Cylinder and coins, John Ramsey. Yeah. He would talk about people who got it or they didn't get it. 
Yeah. And it sounded like in a very supportive way, but you know, someone would do something technically perfect, but he didn't get it. There was no give and take with the audience. It's it's hard to know what that there wasn't that. What is that? You know, I can remember reading something about Condoleezza Rice, who was the Secretary of State under George Bush. And she studied music piano from the yeah. time she was three years old till the end of college. She she um, majored in music in college. Really? And during her like second semester of her junior year, she was talking with her teacher, and it was like, "Do I make that move? Do I commit myself to being a concert?" performing pianist and her teacher said to you said to her technically you are brilliant but you don't have whatever that is that a performer needs that's what Jack Benny said too about violin uh-huh he wasn't he was very good but he wasn't he didn't have that. I remember I, I worked in restaurants for years, going table to table saying, can you move your chicken? I want to show you a car trick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I hate restaurant magic, but go ahead. Oh, I, 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 as a performer, it, it, not as a patron. So. No, it depends on where well, it depends on the setting. The setting yeah, is very hard to go ahead. I'm sorry. But no, anyway, I remember seeing a friend of mine who was 21 years old. And he was a college student performing in a restaurant. And people were not looking at his hands or his cards. They were looking at him. And that was a huge educational moment for me. He was doing the simplest damn tricks. He was doing um, out of this world. Yeah. But they were looking at him. And it was him. He was charming. Uh-huh. And they were technically... And and there's there's nothing right in my mind anyway. This is just me. You know, other people would probably disagree. There's nothing right or wrong about being really having really great chops. That's yeah. a good thing. I've worked for years to have good chops, but it's not enough. You know, you do whatever you need to do for the method. You know, but this kid who I saw when he was a friend at 21. What they were re reacting to was how charming he was. Yeah. yeah. And the tricks were just very standard. But the presentations and the charm, you know, I, I don't know how else to explain it. The charm he exuded. Yeah. And the connection between him and the people watching him was magnificent. Yeah. And that's, he's that, a 21-year-old kid. Yeah. And that, I think, is is yeah, somewhat unique with magic, if you have that. Yes. I think it's very hard to teach. I mean, it's very hard to, to, to elaborate how to be a good, great, engaging performer. I think it's hard to teach it if you don't have that skill, that social skill of, of you know, of being charming. You, if you are not, it's hard to teach how to become. Yeah. That. And I see it because, as you were saying that, Michael, I remember uh, our kids here in Colombia, one of their first paid gigs was in a restaurant, right? And, 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 and I connected with that because it's very hard to do, you know, because you go table to table interrupting whatever they're doing before they eat or, or, or if they're waiting for something and you say, Hey, can I show you something or whatever? Right. But some kids had it easier than the others, right? Even though they didn't have the best magic, right? They weren't the best, uh, you know, magic doers, right? But they was just, you know, easy, easier going or they just had, you know, or that day they were just, you know, a, a, they had a, a great day, so they were just more charming. So yeah. that they it worked better for them, and that's very hard to teach. For me, it was very hard to to 
to tell them how to 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 act in order to be better received. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I don't know how you teach it. Michael earlier was talking about counseling, you know, and I, I can remember hearing what Michael said for the first time from the great uh, Carl Rogers counselor. Um, and he said, it's not the counseling technique that I use. It's not the methods. It's the relationship between me and the client, you know, yeah. and that's what does the healing, the relationship, not that I do this technique or that technique or whatever. And I think that's what you were saying about that 21 year old friend of yours is that he had that something and it's, it's hard to describe. And it was painful for Condoleezza Rice, a brilliant woman mentally and also yeah. extraordinarily technically talented on the keyboard but she didn't have and what you just asked Carlos is a very big and mysterious question can that be taught I don't know I don't know I, this this world of performing and teaching and you know uh, identity it's it's so so fascinating and you know we've been talking for for an hour and i want to try and and, and wrap this up (laughs) oh yeah we're one minute over eight o'clock but but before I do, I, with everything that we were talking about, right, identity and and how to have different buckets of it, and then the uh, the um, the performance aspect of when you perform magic and and, and if you really like it, right, if it means something to you, then you're gonna pursue it. There is this short film that's called To Gerard. Have any of you seen it? It sounds familiar, but I can't. I can't place it. It's a, a film from a year ago. It's a short film. I'm not going to show everything, but I want to show the trailer and then talk a little bit more, elaborate a little bit more about it because okay. it, it 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 wraps up everything that we've been talking about. This is the tra- trailer for To Gerard. To Gerard. Okay. Hold on, let me just put it with audio because it's very confusing. <laughs> oh, wow. There you go, John. Maybe one day there will be time you can create a little magic of your own. Anyway, so this is a this this is that story of you know he is in a in the post. Post office, post office, yeah. right? Working, but then, you know, a little girl, he's been doing magic and a little girl sees him and that's the starting point of the, of the short. But you see, like, please go see, try and find it, right? It's called To Gerard and it's a short film, seven minutes, eight minutes, something like that. Oh, it's only a short film. Oh, okay. It's short film. But it's beautiful because it, it, it talks about, identity and how this guy that works in a post office for all his life but likes magic but does not have an audience maybe he didn't have that you know to be a performer right yeah. and, and and then you know she gets a little a little kid excited about magic and, and then it unfolds but i think it's wonderful how that film you know wraps it together what we've been talking about so if anybody yeah. out there listening can get their hats on to gerard a wonderful short film. I think it, you know, uh, summarizes what we've been talking about. It's not on YouTube or something. No, uh, I'll have to check, but uh, I don't. Think I'll it's check tonight. Uh, it Please. looks wonderful. 
It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It, it makes you cry. And every wow. seen it, it, it's super emotional. It's very, very cool. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, this has so, been. With that note, with that note, any final thoughts about our, our wonderful mm -hmm. talk, eh, Michael? Thank you so much for having me back. It's really been, it's been a pleasure. It's been great. Thank you for coming back. It's great. It's uh, wonderful. I, I uh, somehow, uh, um, I need to say this. I did this hour-long magic show, and this woman came up to me afterwards. She did not say one thing about any of the magic that I did. She said, I really loved it. I loved how you remembered all the children's names. Uh. <laughs> and that's what we've been talking about in a certain way. I mean, it, like that's what touched her, like how connected I was. Like a kid who came up to volunteer for me. And at the beginning of the show, an hour later, I said, Eliza, what do you think of that? You know, and she said, and she said, how did you remember her name an hour later? No, that, and we talked about that, but it was the connection with the audience that touched her more than the magic in some way. You know? That's what, boy, that is high praise. Oh, like my that. God. Yeah. That's what you look for. Yeah. What, I, what's better? I know. She could have said, I really loved that, uh, whatever you did. You know, but the dye box you no. did was incredible. <laughs> Those swinking rings were. Wow, boy, <laughs> the best I ever saw. I saw Fred Capster. <laughs> no, I, I totally get it. was high praise for sure. <laughs> That's my closing comment, Carlos. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. This was amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Tom, Michael, and everyone listening. Thank you so much, and see you next week. Bye -bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Michael. Blessings bye. on you, you and too. the wonderful work you do. Thank you.